Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things by providing solutions to challenging issues and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is somewhat daunting, but nonetheless very real across the country and, and certainly right in our own backyard. I've said before that my goal is to inform, inspire, and impact you. Now, the topic today is not necessarily inspiring in and of itself, but we will inform you of the challenges and about what's being done by local nonprofits to answer these challenges and then how you can contribute to the impact, and that is inspiring. The topic of conversation today is homelessness in America. On a cold January night in 2019, 17 out of every 10,000 people in the United States experienced homelessness. This is according to HUD, the Department of Human Housing and Urban Development. These people represent a cross-section of America. They're associated with every region of the country, family status, gender category, and ethnic group. As of January 2020, Wisconsin had an estimated 4,515 who experienced homelessness on any given day. Of that total, 558 were family households, 337 were veterans, 193 were unaccompanied young adults aged 18 to 24, and 611 were individuals experiencing chronic homelessness. Now the good news is that our, uh, our numbers are lower than those of our neighbors by more than half, with Illinois at a little over 10,000 and Michigan at 8,500 plus. Minnesota's actually a little less uh, than half at just under 8,000. But there's a movement across the country to put an end to homelessness, which means that every community should have a comprehensive response that ensures homelessness is prevented whenever possible, or if it can't be prevented, that it's a, a rare, brief, and one-time experience. So today you'll learn about two nonprofit organizations who are adjusting to meet the evolving needs of the homeless in our community in strategic and innovative ways. And then you'll also learn how the community can offer meaningful support. My verse guest today is Amy Rowell, Director of Development at the Guest House. Since 1982, the Guest House has been leading the way in providing innovative solutions to combat homelessness. Today, they shelter 86 adult men in an emergency shelter program, and they also support 450 households within the community with case management and care coordination. It's pretty impressive. Welcome to the show today, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to learn all about the Guest House. It began serving the community nearly 40 years ago. Why don't you tell us about the core services that continue today? In our early years, we were very much focused on emergency overnight shelter, providing short-term respite for individuals that had low barriers to independence. In the last several years, we've evolved those services to include on-site clinic that will serve individuals that have adverse mental health uh, and addiction. And then we also have extended out into the community. Our core goal is making sure that individuals maintain and sustain independence whenever possible with a strong housing focus. A nice uh, array of things that you do there. Have you had any services that you've added over the years? Yes. More recently, we've added to our on-site shelter services a recovery housing program. 
So of the 86 beds that we have available, 22 of them are recovery focused. So the individuals in this program may have challenges with their housing, but their bigger challenges are related to their mental health status and their addiction status. So in a long-term comprehensive program, they can have those needs addressed and stabilized so they can more easily transition to housing and be more successful. It reduces the recidivism rate um, and really then segments out the individuals that have higher barriers versus those that have lower barriers to independence. You talk about some great offerings there. What about staff? You know, do you have, how many staff people do you have that allow you to provide the services to the people you serve? So here's what's remarkable, Jill. When I started with the organization in 2014, we had about 40-some employees, and we're teetering around a $4 million budget just under. Today, we have 97 employees wow. and over $8 million budget. Okay, then so f- doubling yes. effectiveness. Yes. And then to further emphasize just how much we've dedicated to the community, about a million dollars of our budget is for on-site shelter services. So that is $7 million that we are reinvesting in the community to help individuals um, stabilize and, and maintain their independence. Hmm. Homelessness is a tough topic. You know, I said at the beginning that it's, it's a daunting task to try and prevent homelessness. Um, I mentioned opening that as of January 2020, there are just over 4,500 people experiencing homelessness in Wisconsin. And I think the number I saw for Milwaukee as of 2019 was about 885 people on any given night. That's 885 too many, right? Why do you think homelessness hasn't been eradicated? Well, let me first give you some good news, Jill. So in 2021, our annual point-in-time count said that we have 817 individuals. So in that two years, we've knocked it down even further. Just five years ago, we were teetering around 1,500 individuals. Mm-hmm. We've now been able to stabilize and maintain under 900. So that next goal is you know, to get us under 800. But that's really sort of an abstract number to say 817 individuals. So let's focus on the unsheltered. So 17 of the 817 were without a place to be a safe and stable house that that night that we did that point in time count. So that really sort of emphasizes how well our community is coming together. But still, of course, as you said, 800 and any number is too many. Right. And so why hasn't homelessness been eradicated really is the, the face of homelessness has evolved quite a bit in the last several decades. Individuals that do have those higher barriers that I was mentioning, mental health status and addiction. And so we've done a great job at wrapping services around individuals that have low-level barriers to independence, and now we're really focusing on those higher-level barriers to independence. So individuals that might need some case management even when they are placed into homes. So interim and permanent supportive housing programs, both of which we have at Guest House and that we've grown over the last several years. So our interim housing programs help individuals maybe 30, 60, 90 days, some programs a little bit longer. Um, we have one program that we recently added, a VA TIP program. TIP stands for Transition in Place. So this helps veterans who are transitioning into their own home. We will uh, help a lot more in the beginning, and then as we transition throughout the year, a lot more responsibility is placed on the veteran so that by the end of that time together, they are completely independent. Our permanent supportive housing programs work in much the same way, except these are individuals who are going to stay on a caseload for much longer, sometimes permanently. Um, Those individuals, I think we have about a 97% retention rate for individuals that are housed and able to remain housed year after year, and that is due to our tremendous staff. Um, And then we also are now filling a gap in the community that we recognized a couple of years ago 
individuals, adults specifically, that identify under the LGBTQ umbrella and with a specific focus on transgender adults that might not find a place that they fit in a traditional shelter. So last year we launched Marsha's House, which is an interim housing program for transgender adults. And since we opened, we've been full. So that says to us, we're definitely filling a need in the community that was not uh, previously being satisfied. What I like is that you're, you're helping people to prepare for home ownership. You're not just providing a solution for them for the night and then letting them go and, and fend for themselves. Right. What's that saying? A give a, a hand up, not a hand out. Mm-hmm. So all of our programs, every single one of our programs are client-led, client-driven. So the client is involved in developing his or her case plan for independence. So the case managers will sit down and when they do that initial assessment, they'll find out, so what are those factors that led to your homelessness? Or what are the factors that might lead to homelessness? Who is at risk? We have a robust prevention and rapid rehousing program to help people maintain and not have a shelter stay. So sitting down with somebody at that just right moment and finding out what's happening for you today. What happened for you in the past? So what can we learn from? Not to, not to blame and shame someone, but what can we learn from? How can we recognize where we are today and where do you want to go? Because that looks different for everybody. Right. Even myself, if you had asked me 10 years ago, where do you see yourself in 10 years? It's not sitting here talking with you. <laughs> um, I had no it's idea. <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, as they say, right? In the same way that I don't know where I'll be 10 years from now. So it, we have to get away from that lens of, of privilege that we sometimes bring to a situation when we're helping someone. And just be present and recognize with that person where they're at. Um, We say all the time, let's meet people where they're at. Mm. And we do that not just with our clients, but with our staff, Um, just treating everybody with dignity and respect. You've articulated very well why homelessness has not been eradicated. So we understand the problem, right? What about ways to combat the problem? We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, Amy's going to tell us how people that find themselves in this situation, varying as they are, uh, how can they access services. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Amy Rowell from The Guest House. Okay, Amy, so you've identified some of the problems as to why homelessness has not been eradicated and and talked about some other uh, statistics and information. Now let's talk about how people can get access to the services. So if there's a listener that finds himself in this situation, or maybe you know of somebody, it's good to know, obviously, how the services can be accessed. So can you share that, please? It would be my pleasure to share how individuals can access services, not just uh, with Guest House, but with any of the local providers. So we're just one of many agencies that coordinate with Impact 211. So now as I say that, some of your listeners might recognize that they've maybe seen that out in the community. So in the same way that if you uh, had a house fire or saw a car accident, you would dial 911. Individuals that find themselves in need of shelter, housing, um, any kind of emergency personal services, they dial 211. They're connected with somebody who will um, assess their needs and then also identify, is this an adult? Is this a family? Is this an unaccompanied youth? 
um, what other specific characteristics about that individual person need to be taken into account to best place them within the community's resources. So for example, somebody coming to us could be someone that has more of those advanced barriers because we have an on-site mental health and addiction counseling clinic. We're the only shelter in the area that has that service on-site. So for us, it works really well, which might sound counterintuitive to say, please send us those with high barriers to independence, but we have the infrastructure in place for sort of one-stop shopping, as it's sometimes been referred to. So an individual can be resourced through 211. We will let them know when we have availability. They will then send the person over, let us know that they're coming. They'll be met with a case manager who, as, as we talked about just a short time ago, will sit down and find out their individualized needs and then take it a step further. And they will connect, maybe make a referral to the clinic or make a referral to one of the housing programs or maybe make a referral to um, a community partner. So there could be any number of things that case manager is responsible for um, referring that individual to. But 211 is the most efficient and effective way for individuals to get connected to resources. Okay, great thing to know. We had talked about that in a couple past shows, actually, and I was not aware of it. And so it's that's a good resource. I'm curious, can you advocate on behalf of someone else? So let's say um, I notice someone who I think could be in need of your services. Can I call 211 and refer someone, or does it have to be the the person that is actually receiving the services? The individual should be involved in some capacity, so whether that you're kind of an advocate, a liaison, helping that individual, because oftentimes we will have individuals, uh, whether it's a language barrier or some other competency that they need support with, um, you can have that third-party intervention. But that person should be involved, because what we don't want to do is engage someone and push them down a path that they're not ready for. Okay. That would be the worst thing for that individual. Um, as hard as it is for us, for you and I, to maybe understand why wouldn't someone want services? Here you've got this beautiful menu, this array of services available to you. Why would you not want to take advantage of it? We really do have to mind where the person is at themselves, um, present what's available, and then really let them direct if, if they would like to go forward. Okay. Um, Well, as I said in the opening, it's a daunting task ahead of us, but thankfully, organizations like the Guest House are offering solutions, which is awesome, right? But we know that you can only provide services to the extent that your dollars take you. So where does your funding come from? The large percentage of our funding comes from government contracts and grants. So about 82 to 84 percent of our funding every year comes through the government side. And then the remaining, you know, 18 or so percent is from private foundations, individuals, faith communities, business and corporations, some of the fundraisers and friend raisers that we host um, comes from the private side. Okay. And then do you rely on partnerships in order to do some of the things that you do? We do. We're very fortunate um, that we have so many great community partners. And uh, let me tell you a story about Reggie, actually. This, I think, will really kind of tie in one of our community partners. So Reggie was a black male in his 60s. He'd had several shelter stays before this one in particular that I'm referring to. And during each previous shelter stay, he was unable to recognize the impact of his substance use disorder on his ability to maintain his housing. And so just prior to his most recent shelter stay, his perspective shifted. A few years ago, he became a father for the first time. His daughter was a toddler when the child's biological mother left her with Reggie's mother. And then earlier in the year, shortly after Reggie entered shelter, his mother fell ill. 
She entered a nursing home a few weeks later. As soon as he learned of this, he immediately was inspired to make a change for himself and for his daughter. Parenthood does that in a person, doesn't it? (laughs) It certainly does. So he set three primary goals. He wanted to apply for and maintain full-time and permanent employment, secure affordable housing, and begin saving money. But in order to move forward, he had to face his addiction head-on. Simultaneously, his case manager connected him with Goodwill Industries. We have a representative who comes on site a couple of times throughout the month and helps our clients prepare for and obtain employment. Mm. So his case manager also connected him to one of our housing coordinators in a rapid rehousing program. She helped him secure affordable housing. So here we were. We had two of his goals almost immediately met. He knew that we never gave up on him. And each time he came back, he made more and more progress. But it wasn't until he had that real inspiration of his daughter that he could receive those services. So this sort of also goes back to what I said earlier. Until someone is ready, it doesn't matter what we, ha- what we lay out in front of them. Mm. They will only see what they want to see. Mm. But his perspective had changed. Absolutely. And he was looking at it through a different way. Yeah. So he, w- he was ready to receive those services. Mm. Goodwill is one of many. Right down the street from us, we have Repairs of the Breach, a great community partner. We've got The Gathering. They provide a robust breakfast and other food service program. We also, I mean, we, we can't have this conversation and not talk about United Way. Um, and then some of our other major funders, Bader Philanthropies and Zilber, they're not just doing a good job providing resources to us. They're making connections in the community building sort of our, our um, Rolodex of individuals and corporations that we can call upon for any different number of needs. We recently opened a satellite office for one of our programs because we've outgrown the building that we're in, even though we just expanded five years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and so at the satellite office, we had several community partners, and we knew exactly who to call to get this project underway with very, very little cost to the organization. Wonderful. Partners are everything. Relationships are everything. Absolutely. Homelessness is certainly a huge challenge, right, for, for every city across America. You talk about some of these great things that are happening at the guest house, which is awesome. But what would you say are your biggest challenges then? I think the biggest challenge that we face on a daily basis is the bias that individuals still have towards the homeless. Mm. Of course, your listeners can't see that, you know, we could use air quotes, the homeless. Even just saying it out loud gives me that cringy feeling. You know, these are individuals that are having a current experience. It doesn't define who they could become and what they've done in the past. But there still is a huge, huge stigma. And all individuals relate it to is the one person that they see on occasion standing on the corner asking for money. That is not the face of homelessness, not the face that we see. We see individuals that have had long-term intergenerational poverty that they've had to overcome, sustained unemployment, lack of access to education and other social barriers. That's the face of homelessness that we're seeing, that we're working really hard to overcome. So it's, it's a very, very complex situation, but with a simple problem of kindness, like mm-hmm. the simple solution, right? If we can all just display kindness in everything in it that we do and reserve that judgment for ourselves, let's not cast that on anybody else. That's right. probably our biggest barrier is public perception still. Yeah, and, you know, amazing. if we sit back and think about it, every single one of us knows someone that has a mental health disorder, that has suffered from addiction, um, whether that's alcohol or, or drug abuse. 
we all know someone. We're related in some way. We know a coworker or a cousin or a neighbor. To, so to say that, that this is something that affects those people or other people, it's just not an accurate perspective to have anymore. You served as manager of community engagement for a number of years at the guest house. What types of things did you do, and, and then how can the community support your mission? So I love my current role. But I really liked my my role that I had when I initially came into Guest House. So I really got to get out more um, and and network with people and bring volunteers in and work more one-on-one with the groups that came in. Um, That's really fun to make those connections. I do a lot more administrative and grant writing and supervision now. But the way that the community can support us um, is having a donation drive, coming and serving a meal, teaching a class. Sometimes coming in and sharing your experience and your expertise with a group of individuals, it says so much because what that says to the individual is this person, Jill, coming down and teaching me this, she's taken her time to do that. She thinks I'm worth this time. Mm. Maybe I am worth this time. And it really changes the way that people think and talk about themselves when they have others who come and invest themselves. And 99% of the time, our volunteers walk away and they say, this was so moving for me. And it can also be very simple. We have a one-acre urban garden right across the street from shelter. It's a great way to engage um, and provide produce to our community that's often lacking. So there are many, many different ways that individuals can get involved. Well, if someone's listening and wants to get involved with the guest house, what's the best place to go? The best place to go is to visit our website, guesthouseofmilwaukee.com. Or they can call directly, 414-345-3240. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining us today and sharing how the guest house is making a great impact in the community. Appreciate you participating. Thanks, Jill. You're welcome. Well, Amy talked about how the guest house provides various programs for the homeless in Milwaukee, along with the central refuge at night, right? But Where can the people go during the day to find refuge and resources, especially during extreme weather conditions? When we come back, we'll hear about a nonprofit organization who also plays an important role in the solution of homelessness in Milwaukee. So stay tuned to learn more when we return. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Reverend James W. West, Jr., who is the Executive Director of the Repairs of the Breach nonprofit. Welcome to the show, Pastor West. It is a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So let's start out by you giving us some background on your nonprofit. Well, we're repairs of the breach. Uh, we get our name from the the Bible passage in Isaiah 58 and 12, uh, the restorer of lost households. Uh, we've been a nonprofit in Milwaukee since 1991, celebrating 30 years this year. And, and so we do just that, uh, repairs of the breach. Uh, we have what we call life-saving, life sustaining and life restoring programs and services and so we are a daytime shelter something different that you might uh, usually hear and uh, we have beds and we go overnight but uh, what we do is we're a refuge and resource center during the day 
30 years of impact. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations to that. What brought you to the organization, and how did you know that you were one of those repairers? <laughs> <laughs> A thirsty soul is uh-huh. what brought me to repairs of the breach. Um, when we look at that passage in the 12th verse uh, that calls uh, those who build and restore a repair of the breach, uh, previously to that is, is the 11th verse that says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. I, I was at a place in my life that I had answered the call to, to pastor and to preach, um, and I was sent to a little congregation that had no members. And so I, I made myself friendly to the to the neighborhood and, and people that knew me, and we began to grow. It was um, a lot of young people. You can tell that they were very uh, displaced as far as where they lived. It was not, uh, you know, they were just missing a foundation, you know. And my job was to teach them how to have a, a better life or to... Uh, go further, and I realized that they, they, they didn't have a foundation. And as they began to, to learn and as I began to inspire them and give them hope, I realized that a lot of them lived in situations that was not conducive to their growth. Mm-hmm. And I came up with um, a program called New Beginnings. And um, many of them began to get jobs and wanted to get out on their own, um, get out of the unhealthy situation, and they would start with nothing. They were willing to just have enough for security deposit and rent and make the move. And um, I said, wow, I don't want them to move like this. So I came up with new beginnings where people would bring things such as ironing boards, right, irons, you know, the everyday essentials that, that they needed. And, and the, the response was overwhelming. And, and it did something to me. It, it sparked me. And I says, wow, this, this feels better uh, than preaching. This feels better than my Bible studies to watch people have um, the basics of life and feel so, so thankful. Mm. And so um, I came to Repairs of the Breach because they had an open uh, board meeting. And after the open board meeting, they knew I was there. And they, they, the board uh, of directors says, come sit with us. And they kind of asked me, what do you think? I was honest. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to be escorted out or not. Uh, and and I, had, I had a couple. Uh, I, liked, I liked everything, but I, I did criticize a few things. And they told me, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to be their spiritual advisor to the board. Mm-hmm. Whenever we get off of our mission, they said, Pastor West, make us sing, pray, hug, or whatever. Because the people is what's important here that we serve. And, and and I became uh, the spiritual advisor, and then I, I continued with the organization. I became a voting board member, and eventually the, the executive director. It was challenging, and a lot that I, I gave to the organization cannot compare uh, to the thirsty soul that I came there with mm. um, that, that has been fulfilled and still being fulfilled to this day. Mm, that's wonderful. You talked a little bit about it uh, before, but why do you think repairs of the breach is essential? That's right. Um, I can I can honestly say we're essential, and I see it every day. First of all, we're low barrier. In order to come to repairs of the breach, all you need is a need. Okay. <laughs> and 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 so um, we're in the community, and we 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 deal with daytime refuge and resource services. We take so much for granted. 
you know, and we just wake up in the morning and we take a shower. We go check the mailbox. But when you're homeless, you don't you can't do that. Mm. So where do they get their mail? <laughs> How do they take a hot shower to start your day to get you going? Where where does their hot cup of coffee come from? Mm. Well, for many people, it comes from repairs of the breach. Mm. And, and so we're there to serve them in any capacity uh, that they need. And what not saying that we do everything. We have a lot of programs and services. But what we don't have, we advocate for them. We find resources. We connect them with partners. We we get them what they need. We we, we give a, a unjudgmental atmosphere that you can come into and say, hey, today I'm going to take a shower. Today I'm going to put my birth certificate and my social security card in my locker. Today I'm just going to sit, rest, and think, and no one's going to judge me because today I don't feel like getting out working on myself today. Mm. You know, and, and we need that. Everyone yeah. needs that. Right. So Over we can see why you're essential. Essential yes. because I see the, the very things that I have in my life that I, I think is very important and I wouldn't make it without. We offer to people who don't have a support system, yeah. you know, and so we have to be there. To, for them to even feel that life is worth um, continuing on. Sometimes you just need a listening ear. Sometimes you need someone that believes in you and that can not just say, oh, God bless you, but can meet your need right where it is. Mm, absolutely. Wow. Well, how do you measure results? You know, it's a, it's a hard question, but I think it's an important one. How do you know that you're making a difference? <laughs> you know, it's a it can be very difficult, especially when I'm writing grants and getting funding <laughs> and, and, and people want, you know, metrics. Uh, how can you prove that a hot shower makes a difference in someone's life, right? How, mm-hmm. how, how can you prove um, that putting a crease in their pants with an iron, right, it's going to make them get a job? Um, a lot of times we have to measure our results by the people, Right. Um, of course, many of our people um, who, who was not employed uh, become employed. Many who didn't have a home now have a home. Uh, but what about the person when they came in um, and slept in the park last night? Just a bad night. And they come in and you, you say good morning and offer them a cup of coffee. And they don't even look at you. They don't even respond. But you give them a cup of coffee. You you give them a shower. You you walk them to our free medical clinic. After taking a shower and put a crease in their pants and offer them clothing, uh, now you see a little bounce in their step. You 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 see them want to open up to you and and tell you some of the things that they went through. They apologize for not acknowledging you at the beginning. Uh, that's making a difference, right? That's a high measurement of someone turning their day around, yeah. you know. And a lot of times we, we have to go by the response of the people we serve. Absolutely. I mean, you're saying, I see you <laughs> and you're valued, right? That's you know, it. it's, That's it. it's, I see you, you're valued, and you uh, can contribute in whatever way you, you see fit or not, right? Well, what does operations look like at Repairs of the Breach? Okay, so we're, we're a daytime refuge and resource center. And so we open from 7 a.m., uh, and we don't close until 4 p.m. 
We do do overnight sometimes. Whenever the temperature drops to 20 degrees or below, we become, uh, we're the founder of the emergency warming room. Okay. Right? When the overnight shelters like guest house, uh, they're filled to capacity. We, we then become a safe and warm place when temperatures get, get dangerous. We're overflow. And the good thing about us is uh, when the overflow is over that morning, we're open as a daytime refuge and resource center. Nice. And so and so we just go about uh, giving the things that you and I would need on a daily basis, you know, a place to receive your mail, a place to shower, um, life-saving, life-restoring. We have uh, an educational center. We have um, employment assistance. And so the things that a person would need to not only sustain themselves, but to better themselves. Right. Wow. That's great. Um, Well, I've said it many times before, because it's true for every nonprofit that you can only provide the services to the population you serve to the extent that your dollars take you. So when we return, Pastor West will share how they do so much with so little. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment today with Reverend James West, Jr. from Repairers of the Breach. Okay, Pastor, so let's get down to brass tacks because I think it's important for people to know. How much does it cost to run a refuge and resource center that's open six days a week? Okay, so before I talk uh, cash dollars, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about some, some other statistics first. Let's just talk about... Uh, what does our service really look like? Is this some some small place that hands out bag lunches, right? Um, just to let you know, in 2020, we averaged 2,200 visits a month. Wow. Okay? Uh, we're talking about we averaged 2,800 meals a month, 598 showers a month, right? 6.5% of, of, of the people we serve are, are veterans. So we're talking about a busy place, mm-hmm. right? A lot of challenges, right? A, a variety of reasons why people are homeless or we don't just serve um, homeless, but those that are at risk of being homeless because there's many people who are just a, a, a paycheck or two away where they can find themselves in that situation. Right. And so we have a free medical clinic, so now you're talking, wait a minute, you're open six days a week, 7 a.m., 4 p.m., three-story building. You have uh, uh, things like uh, education. You, you, you have a little mental illness uh, awareness. You, you do all these things. We're talking about a couple million a year, right? Mm. That's how you would think. Well, we're able to do things for less than that because we have the community behind us. Um, in our 30 years, we have gained a great reputation, and people um, have come and seen for themselves what we do. And I wasn't the only thirsty soul out there. There's <laughs> other people, you know, who who believe that there's more to life than to work a job, get a car, buy a home, uh, that want to give back to people. My, my true definition of love is to give and share of yourself. Mm. And so... 
We have so many people who give in-kind gifts and in-kind services. Our, our free medical clinic is ran by a all free medical staff, mm. our professionals who, who just give of themselves, you Wonderful. know, whether it's once a month, whether it's once a week, right? And not to mention all of the people that we have helped over the years, they come back. They're considered our alumni. <laughs> <laughs> and so they come back, they volunteer, they, they donate, they go, they come from uh, being a member to a donor. And so with all of those things that money-wise, actual cash, is under $700,000. And and we're talking about supplies. We're talking about all the programs. We're talking talking about paying staff. We're talking about all of this we're doing for under $700,000 because of our in-kind gifts and services. Mm. That people are coming and, and, and want to make a difference and meet new people from different backgrounds and and learn from each other. See, that's the culture at Repairs of the Breach, right? Mm-hmm. I want to I learn something about people that I don't know. And so when you have that going on, it's just a pot of professionals, um, people who have different experiences coming together to solve the same solution. People having a right to food, people having a pathway to housing and and, and to be heard and, and, and listened to. It's, that's how we are able to do what we're able to do. When we have a challenge, uh, we have to ask the community to step up and help us. We don't receive government funding. Mm-hmm. And so it's the community taking care of the community. And when you have the community invested in the community, the best effort is put forth, yeah. right? Yes. It's, it's not about making more money. It's, it's about people's lives being on the line. That's how we're able to do so much with Mm. so little. I agree with you. Very, very well said. What do you think has been the key then to being successful for 30 years? You know, you talk about all these wonderful things. Um, Is there one thing that you would point to that would be the key to your success? I would have to say having an open mind, open heart, and listening ears to the people we serve. You can come up with all kind of ideas on what people need, but the people in need can express it to you better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, For example, um, some guys I had been talking to about getting a job, and and, and they would get the job. And and, and the first day, it's like, how's the job going? He says, oh, Pastor Wes, it's going great, boy. I, I really like it. Second day, how's the job going? It's going wonderful. Uh, uh, they really like me, you know. <laughs> the third day, it was like, uh, how's the job? It's all right. <laughs> the fourth day, the head drops, oh. and I see something disturbing in their eyes, mm. and they say, I don't have the job anymore. Oh. And I says, what, what happened? He says, Pastor Wes, I tried to stay up four days um, there's nowhere for me to get sleep. I work third shift, right? And so I need to sleep during the day, right? And the, the day shelters, they, they're closed until the evening. And and I tried, but I would go in the bathroom and try to get a couple minutes and stay longer. It's 10 minutes, and you do that four times in a shift, and they, they send you home, Pastor Wes. And so it's things like that to say, well, then we're going to have a respite room. We're not licensed for beds, but um, we could have some recliners. (laughs) (laughs) 
the rest during the day. Yeah. Right? So you get off work, you come to repairs of the breach, have some breakfast, have a little nap, get some sleep for the day, get a get a brown paper bag full of lunch, right, that you can take um, this afternoon with you. And, and they came back and they said, Pastor West, this was a wonderful idea. I got it from you, right? Success is to listening, is listening to the yeah. people we serve and making the changes. And we've hired many of them. And so it's the previously homeless serving the homeless mm. um, that, that we learn a lot from. Comes full circle, right? You said that you were celebrating 30 years. Are there any plans for the 30th anniversary? Well, in this 30th anniversary, I, I said I wanted to make a difference, but not in someone else's life, in my life. I came to the members and let them know that I have had some challenges and I had an area of my life that was out of control and I was standing up and I was taking the control back. I'm I'm overweight. Um, it's causing some health challenges and I could not honestly ask them to make lifestyle changes, right, um, to live a better life and I wouldn't be willing to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so for I've I vowed to lose a pound for every year we've been a nonprofit, which is 30 pounds, 16 weeks to do it and to continue in the lifestyle change. And so I got on the scale. I showed how much I weighed. I had a standing ovation. I mean, they really supported me and said, Pastor Wes, you can do it. But I'm telling you now, it's one day at a time. So now they're giving me advice. And I'm so excited about it. Am I successful as I want to be each and every day? No, I'm not. But each and every day I say I must win. It's that kind of support that we give each other. And, and, And so this is how I'm spending the 30-year anniversary is um, I'm really given an effort and show that I care about myself as I've taught them to care about themselves. And I want to be an example before them uh, in these 30 years, and I'm going to continue on as they grow. I'm going to grow as they get better. I'll get better, and we'll just be a better community together. You're going to be a wonderful example and mentor to them, and they in turn to you, as as you said, which everybody needs that. Right? Everyone everybody needs Everybody needs somebody like that. We can't get to everything that we would want to, but I think it's important for people to understand how they can help you to accomplish your goals. You said before how uh, the community is so engaged with repairs of the breach, which is awesome. Uh, how can people who may not be involved or may not know of you, how can they help you to accomplish your goals? Well, you can get involved, and it's so many ways, but you can do something, and you can do what you're good at. If you have groups, church groups, social groups, get them together and say, we're going we're gonna to give a day at Repairs of the Breach. We have things that helps us out so much as just sorting clothes, hanging up clothes. Uh, but yet, if you have an expertise in a certain um, area, we, human resources, um, we have that you can be a guide to the board. If, if we have questions that we can simply email you and you can guide us in the right way. We don't believe we have all the answers, but we believe all the answers is in this com- great community uh, that we're serving in. And together we can accomplish so much. So, of course, financial gains help. Right. And, and, and it costs money to pay those high we energy bills. There's mm-hmm. there's no doubt. But bringing yourself and your services and the people that you know, and just to learn of a different variety of people. Uh, It'll help you and help us. 
you can go to our website. We have supply lists. We have contact info um, where you can contact us and let us know what you are thinking of. And if you don't know what you want to do, I have some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Wes can connect you. And I've said before, too, that there's something you can certainly do that doesn't cost a dime, and that's to pray for repairs of the breach. Yes. Amen. So thank you, Reverend West from Repairs of the Breach and Amy uh, Rowell from the Guest House for being an integral part to the solution to homelessness. Together, you're making quite an impact in our city and, and for the individuals and families you serve. So thank you for participating in our interview today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or who we interviewed, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a safe and healthy place to call home. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can also listen now on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So think about how you can contribute to making homelessness ideally a thing of the past, but in the meantime, how you can make a difference for someone who is experiencing this scary, unknown situation. Maybe it's through donating. Maybe it's through volunteering. Any way you decide to help out will definitely be a blessing to the recipient as well as to you, the giver. So find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.